as a rule of thumb, if you're working with a partner, I always tell people it is challenging. And the reason why is that not only you're marketing to the end user, you're marketing to the partner and through the partner. It offers you this challenge that you have to convince the partner to work with you. And now that you've convinced the partner to work with you, you need to convince them to do marketing on your behalf. You are listening to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, the product marketing community that gives back. Product Marketing Hive and this podcast are supported by Product Marketing Edge, a technology product marketing consulting firm. In this episode, Marcio Morbeck, Senior Vice President of Growth Marketing at Doorloop, shares his thoughts on B2B tech partner go-to-market strategy. Let's dive into it right now. Hi, Marcio. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. It's awesome. Great. Great. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and your background? I think the easiest way to describe my background is is of a really lucky person. I've been doing marketing now for over 20 years, and my specialty in, in marketing has always been to defend revenue and always trying to make selling easier. And I started in B2C marketing with consumer electronics, I moved on to telecom on the B2B side. And then in 2008, I made a pivot to tech. I've worked for companies that most of the listeners will recognize, Microsoft, VMware, Citrix. And in 2019, I decided to make a, a, a pivot to more of a startup environment because I felt that I needed to get the energy of a startup. And now I joined Doorloop to run a lot of sales and marketing growth initiatives. Very, very happy to hear that you see the rule of marketing is to make sales easier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I use that phrase uh, so often and I'm very happy other people had the insight as well, but it's our job, right? It's, it's our job to make sure that when a seller makes a phone call or does a demo, uh, customers are pretty aware of the product, understand uh, who they're talking to, um, and and want to engage. Otherwise, the job of a salesperson is is very very difficult, right? Yeah, totally agree. Today's topic is B two B tech partner go to market strategy. Maybe let's start from the foundation. What are the different types of partnership models or strategies that are available? Yeah, so on the partner world, you have different types of partners, and, and that really triggers the types of partnership initiatives that you can have with them. Traditionally, if you work for a tech company, you're going to be dealing with a lot of resellers of your solutions, and those companies uh, get paid to promote your product, your solution, and they get trained to do so. They usually are working through a distributor. That distributor manages thousands of partners at once. They're the ones that take all the credit risk. They're the ones that enable transactions. They do all the processing of orders, but that's not only it. So that value-added reseller, that's the more traditional channel that you see. You can also have alliances. So companies that are working with you to promote joint solutions. So for example, a partnership between a company like Citrix and Google, it's a great example, or Amazon and Citrix, they build joint solutions and they go to market with that. Um, You also have... MSPs, which are smaller service providers, they build solutions, they deliver solutions. Many times the MSPs are looking to white label uh, specific solutions. So it has their branding, has their name on it. And they're always focused on on kind of a consumption model, providing solutions and uh, trying to build a recurring revenue based on consumption. So each of these uh, partnerships push you to focus on different strategies. Resellers usually are very brand loyal. They really love the brand. At Citrix, when I was uh, running uh, global partner marketing there, 
We had uh, partners that were absolutely in love with the brand, very passionate about the product, and they had been working with Citrix for decades, right? Uh, Citrix is a 30-plus-year-old company, and these partners have been in business with Citrix for a long time. So what is the best way to support them? The best way to support them is, number one, create programs that enable them to understand the power of digital marketing, because most of them don't. They don't have that capabilities in-house. And and enable them to run digital marketing campaigns, plus a lot of the offline stuff that you would run supported by marketing development funds. If you were working with an alliance, the job is to co-invest on, on a business. So if you're working, let's say Citrix and Amazon, you're working with Amazon, they're putting in some money, you're putting in some money, and you build joint initiatives, mostly focused on sales enablement. So sellers know what to sell and they are aware that there is a co-joint solution for both brands. And when you're working with MSPs, because they are so small, usually they have a, a tough time buying enough from you that it merits like a deep investment within, you know, within themselves directly. So what you do is you help distributors that then will help them, right? Sometimes when you have a, a direct program with an MSP, with a larger MSP, you have some sort of co-marketing agreement. Uh, but most of the time, those are smaller companies uh, and you are supporting them through a third party. I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I think as a marketer, just as a rule of thumb, if you're working with a partner, I always tell people it's challenging. And the reason why is that not only you're marketing to the end user, you're marketing to the partner and through the partner. It offers you this challenge that you have to convince the partner to work with you. And now that you've convinced the partner to work with you, you need to convince them to do marketing on your behalf. So pretty challenging, but lots of fun and, and lots of opportunity with partners, you know, because it is the way the tech business moves many times and you want to be successful through that model as well. Yeah, I see it. Well explained, very detailed. Thank you. So in your opinion, at what stage in a company's development, it makes sense to have a partner strategy? I'll tell you, it's a go-to-market decision more than anything else, Louise. So the question that a company should always ask itself is, who wants to control the customer? And how much money am I willing to invest in sales and marketing expenses? Those are the two questions that you're asking yourself. So let's pretend I'm a brand new company. I have this amazing cybersecurity solution I want to get out there. There are two options that you can choose. You either build out your Salesforce marketing engine or you go recruit partners to do the work on your behalf. When you build your own Salesforce and you build your own marketing engine, you're going to have to make some pretty serious investment in SNM expenses. And some companies are ready to do that. They're well-funded. Let's go. If you are going through partners, your investment is in building relationships with distribution and going after partners that would be a good fit to sell your product. The cost model is a little bit different. It's sometimes a bit less costly to go to a distributor and build that channel that way. But the decision is really focused on how much funding you have and how much control over your customer relationships you want to have. Now, most companies, the decision really is to build their own Salesforce. And I've seen that done over and over and over. They build uh, their own marketing team. They start going to market, trying to find customers. And they realize that they run out of sales capacity. Uh, their sellers are overextended in the number of accounts they manage. And the marketing department is not having a lot of effectiveness in driving customer acquisition. 
that's when most companies take a pause and say, hey, how can we fix this? And the next step is, okay, I think we're ready to build a partner program. Let's go figure out what types of partners we want to work with, what types of distributors we want to work with. And then they will hire that channel team to grow that specific muscle. But it's really a go-to-market decision, like I said. It's about account control. It's about investments. Uh, but the traditional route is you're running out of capacity. You don't want to continue hiring more salespeople. And you say, hey, I need to be a little more efficient with how I go to market. Let's build a channel program to have partners share uh, those expenses of marketing and selling our products and solutions. When it comes to geographical coverage of a partner, is there a partner model that you would recommend to enter new countries? Hmm. Interesting. So distributors are great for this. I was in Latin America team for a while. And when you get to a country, let's say you go to Mexico or Brazil, you go to Chile. When you work with distributors, distributors are your best friends in identifying the best partners in the country. Any new market that you're going to enter, distributors have a foothold on that market. They have a well-established relationship with the best partners. They understand the credit profile of these partners. They understand their commercial relationships. Ask your distributor, hey, who should I be working with? And they're going to give you list. They're going to say, these are the top 10, top 20, top 50. Now it's your job to apply your go-to-market filter to those partners and decide which ones you're going to engage with. But distributors are your best friends, and they're going to give you the most positive type of relationships in each of the new markets that you're trying to enter. Thank you. Great tips. When, when we're talking about partnership from go-to-market strategy point of view, what are the considerations that we need to look at for um, different partners and to decide how we should partner with them and then whether we should partner with them or not? You know, if you think about partner solution fit, that's one of the biggest issues that I see. You see a partner that's, you know, really a large company that has tons of resources, have access to lots of customers, but they're not really a great fit for your brand and, and the product that you sell. That might not be the best partner to go after. But but just thinking about go-to-market strategy for partner in general, you're really thinking about four things. Um, I just talked to you about your selection criteria, right? You need to define what makes an amazing partner from the commercial side and from a technical side. Most of the time, companies get really excited about the commercial side because of a partner that has a lot of resources, but they forget the technical side, right? I think the second step is really what is your value uh, to the partner and how much of their business you mean to them? Because if you are a very small piece of their business, it does not matter how big they are, it does not matter how much you invest, what you're gonna have is a partner that's not going to pay attention to you. So you gotta be careful there. Also, you need to understand where they stand on the value chain of partnerships, right? their relationships with distribution, their relationships with other brands, that's really critical. If they are great partners of your brand, but they don't work well with other brands, uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to be successful in the marketplace. That connection within the value chain is really important. And then finally, you need to build a process so you can manage these partners. Um, partner management is very difficult, very, very difficult. It's a tough job. Uh, you know, I, I really felt for partner managers because they're not selling, but they're selling, right? So they're selling the brand, they're selling the opportunity of the brand, of working with the brand, but they're not really salespeople, but they're tagged with quota, which is tough when you don't control your own destiny. And the day-to-day -day of managing partners is very difficult because you're trying to manage a business that isn't yours. Those four things are very, very meaningful to me. I think outside of that, I think you need to set uh, realistic goals 
what you want to achieve with your with your partners. And once you set realistic goals, I think the job is, hey, start engaging, start motivating these partners, start activating these partnerships. That's going to recruit and retain amazing partners for the future. So on the go-to-market side, those are my thoughts. When it comes to finding the right partner to work with, what are the main uh, considerations here for marketers? For marketers, oh, you know, we at Citrix won the 2019 Partner Marketing Program of the Year Award because we went through that entire process. Uh, we created the Partner Kickstart Program, and we noticed that we were giving away a lot of money to a lot of partners, and that money was going to mainly offline activities, events, dinners, golf outings, etc. And those activities have a place in the marketing mix right? If we think about it, but they shouldn't be your primary expense by any stretch of imagination, right? If you're trying to really uh, grow the business, get to new accounts, events are very relationship driven and you're not inviting people that you don't know to these activities. Most of the time you are basically connecting with customers that you already have. So having noticed that, uh, we decided to create a program where we would provide the partners uh, an evaluation of their marketing capabilities, right? Listen, Let's do a laundry list of do you have a full-time marketing resource? How many resources do you have? Do you have a marketing budget? How much is that budget? Evaluate, run kind of a digital audit of where they were with digital marketing and then building in a box uh, programs that they could execute with the support with a third-party digital marketing agency. That program was wildly successful. Uh, in the first month, we onboarded 100-plus partners. I think 136, I think, was the, the exact number. And we transformed how they did marketing. Uh, we really did. Uh, because now they were running Google Ads campaigns. Uh, they were uh, starting to build on their SEO expertise and optimizing content for SEO on their website. They started doing a lot of content for social. And we started generating new engagements for those partners. And that was a job, right? I say, yeah, of course, you're going to have, you know, your relationship events and all of that good stuff. That's wonderful. But let's go after new accounts. And, and that was a very, very successful initiative. So if you are in partner marketing and you're thinking about working with partners, be very selective with the ones that you're going to work with and focus on their digital capabilities. If you're giving away thousands of dollars or dozens of thousands of dollars to partners that don't know how to do digital marketing, I can assure you that the money is going to waste. So focus on that capability first have some guardrails on what their capabilities should be, what their investment level should be, call marketing with you, and be ready to provide them support to be amazing digital marketers. That's my best advice that I can give anyone uh, thinking about partner marketing at the moment. Great example. I think one of the important aspects of the success of partner strategy is enabling the partners with some through partner marketing activities. Do you have any helpful tips in my career, I'll give you an example of what not to do, and I'll give you an example of what to do. What I recommend companies don't do. In my career, I've always been told to build, you know, marketing campaign in a box type of, of campaigns and run those through marketing automation, in this case, partner marketing automation, and go recruit partners to run your campaigns. I, myself personally, and, and I'm sure other people may have been successful doing that, I have not. Uh, I have never been successful building these in-a-box campaigns because partners are always hesitant to run things that other partners are running. So for them to be happy, there's a level of customization 
and a level of uniqueness that you cannot offer when you're trying to scale. For example, we had a, a partner marketing automation platform and we ran three, 400 campaigns in a month. Like that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of content uh, being out there. But the results weren't great because the campaigns weren't unique enough. They were not connected to the partner's value proposition. They were just not the partner campaign right? They were our campaign that the partners were pushing out. The second issue is because most partners are not digitally savvy, they don't know how to do digital marketing, their database is pretty small. A partner on average will have around 5,000 mailable records. That's very small to do any type of email. So these campaigns usually don't work. So if you are in partner marketing and you're thinking about, hey, let's build in the box, in theory, it looks amazing. In practice, no bueno. What should you do? Now you say, hey, Marzo, what should you do? Citrix in 2017, 2018, we made a hard pivot to an MDF program that would support partners that were willing to make the investments to become digital first on the marketing side. And that pivot really does work. Find the people that understand marketing, find the people that want to get started, even if they don't have the resources, and double down on those people. You will be successful. There are wonderful agencies around the globe you have gorilla you have market logic you have many agencies you have that are willing to work with you to support those partners at scale do customized work at scale uh, but you're not going to fund 10,000 partners right you're going to be funding dozens of partners that are really going to move the needle so if you're looking for impact if you're looking for ROI, find the partners that want to work with you, build specialized content, build specialized digital experiences for their customers in the context of their business, and you're going to be very, very successful. So a tip on what not to do <laughs> and, a, and a tip on what I would continue doing that was very successful for me. So you have been doing partner marketing for a long time. How do you see the evolution of the partner ecosystem over the years and then what has changed? Oh my God. Um, if you think about uh, partner ecosystems, in my humble opinion, I think what's going to happen is partners are going to be looking at solutions that are no longer dependent upon specific brands, specific technologies. I think companies and, and partners in general and their customers are thinking about specific outcomes that they want to drive. And many times it's really important that they drive this conversation with you. And, and why is that? If you were thinking about, you know, hey, my cybersecurity solution and asking people to go and sell the solution, that's not how customers buy because they're looking for outcomes. And they're not even looking for solutions anymore. They're really looking for outcomes. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a gentleman named Jay McPain. Um, he is an analyst for Forrester, good friend of mine. And Jay talks about this concept of a channel black box, right? The way you see partner relationships evolving is that Partners will approach you and they will always ask you to help uh, fund their business. There's always going to be some sort of budget request that comes attached to any type of partnership proposal. And once you enter that and you enable your partners and you develop them, you incentive them, et cetera, the idea really is that you go into a journey with your partner where you have recruitment, enablement, 
development of incentives, demand creation, sales performance, and obviously retention, they force you to think how you're going to manage these relationships in the context of, of the partner's customer. If you're not aware of where you stand as a brand in driving amazing outcomes for their customers, you're going to be left behind. Uh, a lot of people in partner management in general are, are always thinking about really broad ecosystems, right? And like, oh yeah, you know, I want to uh, map my partner behavior to investments. I want to um, look at measure, you know, look, look at measuring everything that the channel is doing. But unfortunately, because most of, of channel management processes are very manual, a lot of that data just disappears, right? So I would say thinking about the future, you're going to try to automate your relationships with partners as much as possible. So, you know, where the money is going and how it is impacting your relationship with the partners. But most importantly, you need to be designing programs that position you in driving outcomes for the partner's customers in the context of multiple brands. So if the partner is going through a process uh, where they're trying to implement big data, for example, big data, pretty popular a few years ago, and you have a solution that's related to that, how are you related to it? Can you communicate that pretty clearly? How do you play with other brands within solutions? How do you drive amazing outcomes and then go find the ecosystem of partners that will help you get to those customers, right? Today, the relationships are very linear. You're just thinking about yourself in the context of what you deliver and what features and functionalities you have. You're not having broader ecosystem type conversations and, and, and that should happen. In the future, I think not only you're going to be philosophically thinking about that, but you need to be thinking about it in the context of automation. How can you automate the measurement of your relationships and, and what your partner is doing in the market? Uh, and that's pretty challenging to do, but a lot, lots of companies are thinking about it right now. Thank you. Thank you. So we're coming to the end of our time here. Do you have any final thoughts to share? I think on the partner marketing side, you know, I want to reiterate this issue of investments partners. This shift from campaigns in a box, partner marketing automation to a more targeted investment model is not easy. You get nervous because you don't have as many campaigns running at the same time. Sometimes the partner marketing organization is going to be measured by the number of partners that's engaging with their content. I'm going to tell you that be bold, like work with the people that want to work with you you should not be bagging partners to run campaigns with you. Most of the time, organizations are bringing money to the table, they're bringing resources, they're bringing assets, et cetera. And you are trying to work with large partners that are not paying attention to you. Give some love to the partners that wanna work with you, but be careful because lots of the partners that are gonna get excited to work with you are small partners that won't drive the revenue that you need to see out of these initiatives. So there's a balance between recruiting the right partners that are get excited. You need to find the intersection of that Venn diagram. Large partners, partners that are excited in learning how to do marketing and do marketing well. There's an intersection of that Venn diagram. You need to find those partners and double down, invest heavily. Go be very detailed with how you go to market with these folks. Um, they are out there. I've seen plenty of them. And I've seen plenty of larger partners that were not interested in making the pivot. As a matter of fact, they were throwing a fit when we told them that there will be no more money for events and golf outings and, you know, and dinners. I mean, I had really, really difficult conversations with management 
uh, around partners that were just basically throwing money out the window. So be prepared to have those conversations. Be prepared to find the intersection of the Venn diagram, right? Between partners that are large enough that they could run your, you know, they can help you run your business, grow your business. And the partners that want to transform themselves and really be awesome at marketing. Um, once you find that, go fight for the for the right investments and double down. That's that's my final piece of advice because it worked for me in three companies and and I'm 100% sure that it will work uh, for you as well if you are in partner marketing in any company in tech. Great point, great insights. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, if you have any questions about marketing in general, not only partner marketing, um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at AskMarcio. Um, I can also be found on LinkedIn. I'll be more than happy to connect with you and answer any questions that you might have. Thank you for tuning in to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, a product marketing community that gives back. Check out our website, productmarketinghive.com, to join our community, meet fellow product marketers, and access free resources, including training, playbooks, templates, and events. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and give a five-star rating on the platform of your choice. See you next time.